This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach and an author, and my new book is called Find Your Happy at Work, 50 Ways to Get Unstuck, Move Past Boredom, and Discover Fulfillment. Our guest today is Charlie Schilling, a senior executive with Emeritus. That's a global company that's creating new models of higher education. Charlie describes how many people these days do want to make a career shift, but to do that, they need to upskill or totally reskill. Emeritus is partnering with top universities to deliver accessible learning experiences, and it's helping people around the world to change careers or move up to the next level on their current paths. Charlie, there's a lot we have to talk about today related to really current trends in higher education and how they could make a huge difference for people who are looking to change jobs or re-energize their jobs. But before we get to that, here on Just About Work, we're always interested in how our guests reach the place they are today. You have, um, I think, immersed yourself in, in a very hot area in, in American culture, worldwide culture today. But how did you get here? How did you get so interested in the delivery of higher education? And how did your career path develop? Well, thanks, Bevan. Thanks for having me on. Um, my career began in a, in a completely different place, which is I was the good humor ice cream man um, in the small town where I grew up. And that's not at all related to my um, more recent oh my, career. But in, it's fun. <laughs> it, in higher education, but it certainly was fun. But no, so my, um, my career in uh, education began at General Assembly, um, which uh, for those of your listeners who may not be familiar, was a pioneer in the boot camp space. Um, kind of beginning around 2010, 2012 timeframe. Um, the goal of that company, even today, um, is to work to change lives through education um, and take people from non-technical backgrounds um, and put them in uh, technology jobs with deep, immersive education in the middle. And so that really... Um, woke me up to the opportunity um, at play here and specifically um, the severity of the skills gap um, on a local, state, national, and certainly global basis. And so the reason that um, you know I've stayed at it and I'm now so excited to be part of the team um, at Emeritus is I think we have a role to play um, in helping um, companies and individual learners identify and solve some of these challenges. Well, I'm so interested that you're looking at it not only from the standpoint of students, but in a much broader way, including the companies. Can, can you tell us about uh, your model and, and how you are doing things that have been, um, that are new? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we start with this premise, which is that the goal of our company is to make the world's best education both more accessible 
and more affordable. Um, our business has been around now for many years, but has traditionally had a focus on serving individual learners who pay for um, education to upskill and reskill themselves um, on their own. Um, though, of course, in some cases, they would get reimbursed by their companies. But what we've done over the last several years is more intentionally build a practice to serve companies and the learners therein more directly. And the reason that um, is, we think, such a worthwhile pursuit is that um, we know a few things about our learner base. One is, is that across all emeritus learners, 90% plus of them um, have jobs to begin with. It's just that they want better jobs, either at their existing company or um, you know, to learn something new so that they can go work somewhere else. But that we know that because companies at the end of the day have the most skin in the game as they face challenges driven by automation um, and other factors, that in working to identify what the future need state might be at company X, you can do a lot better by employees um, who either already work there and want to continue to improve their own um, livelihood and also help that company build new pipelines of talent from the outside um, that uh, can help them accomplish lots of objectives, including, by the way, um, you know, advancing their own diversity, equity, equity and inclusion initiatives um, by building pipelines of talent from um, you know, otherwise unrepresented group groups. Women in technology is a is a wonderful example of that. And what we've proven through programs that we've launched in conjunction with MIT and others, um, I'll use two examples. One is a software engineering bootcamp. The second is a cybersecurity bootcamp um, that we can meaningfully change the number of women um, in specific fields and certainly in specific fields at specific companies. Uh, and so that we think is now integral to our own mission. Well, you mentioned MIT, which of course is a very prestigious university. And uh, from your website, I see that you're working with quite a few universities. I, I imagine universities have mixed um, emotions, if universities have emotions, uh, about um, your role in all this. But are you working in partnership with universities? And how is that going? Yeah, and I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't say that they have um, mixed emotions in general. In fact, I'd say they are positive ones um, in that um, we've partnered with universities from the very beginning. And so um, when Ashwin and Chait, our two co-founders, started the business, it was literally in partnership with um, Wharton, Dartmouth, and INSEAD at the time, and then grew um, you know, to the list that you see on our website today. Now it's literally north of 40 higher education institutions around the world. Um, and so we work with um, universities to support their mission um, which is to broadly improve society on a global basis, but take them to places where they would not otherwise be on their own. And that began, um, you know, through our own heritage because our company was started in India um, to take um, predominantly Western business education um, to that market. And at that point in 2010, 2011, it was um, all instructor-led training in person. Um, we've 
grown into our online business, um, basically as the technology has improved. Um, but that we really view, um, you know, our our partnership with um, universities as as a partnership in the truest sense of the world, and that we, um, you know, exist uh, to benefit them um, and help uh, them achieve their own mission. And so, what we do with universities is actually somewhat different, um, I think, than others in the market. In that, um, we work very hard to co-create our content with our university partners. What we offer is not self-paced online learning, but instead are what we call small private online courses, whereby individual participants get the benefit of university programming, they get university-issued certificates at the end of these programs, um, but that we can basically um, extend the reach of these universities uh, in a way that they wouldn't there on their own. So are the teachers um, from the university, or are you saying that you provide more personalized experience, but it's with your own people. It's both. Um, and I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up because it is an important distinction. So the way it works um, in general is that um, you know, we will pair with a given university partner um, in order to identify, um, in part, by the way, informed by what we see developing across the corporate landscape, to develop a specific course um, or a specific course topic. We'll work with um, a specific university faculty member, but then also a team of people from that university along with our own learning and design team um, to basically build a curriculum. Um, we then will uh, work directly with an individual professor to record course content, but then wrap a lot of assets around it through post-production. Those could be infographics that make a course really work, um, you know, in-course quizzes, um, other experiences that really bring the, the, the learning to life, um, and then um, work to distribute that online. But as I mentioned earlier, it's not self-paced online learning in that cohorts of people go through these courses, but they're facilitated by course leaders who are not necessarily um, employees of that specific university, but instead um, you know, are brought, um, brought on obviously with the university's approval, um, but brought on board by us and are managed by us. Um, and so that um, really is um, kind of a, a force multiplier for what any given university partner would accomplish on their own. Um, and that, I think, is part of why it's worked so well over time. It sounds like you have come a long way from the early wave of the, the massive open online courses. They um, felt revolutionary when they, they came out some years ago, courses that would be free and open to anybody in it. My understanding is that lots of people signed up for them, but very few people finished. So it sounds like you're um, kind of getting past that um, uh, th those early days. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And we also um, objectively know um, that what we offer is more effective. Um, and so the data I'll share on that is that we know that MOOCs in general have between three and 4% completion rates, meaning you know, if 100 people start a course, then three or four of them will finish, which sort of goes to your earlier point um, on MOOCs. In our learning 
um, experience, 87% of participants complete the course. And we believe that part of what drives that is this idea of cohort-based learning um, in that courses have simple things like defined start and end dates, um, which make people want to participate because it's a more structured program, but also that you have more of a community element to bring you through the course, um, including dedicated course leaders uh, who interact um, and coach individual students. This is particularly useful um, for the program programming that we offer in conjunction with our partners, which is meant to help people entirely reskill themselves. For example, if you're a um, woman in the MIT Women's Coding Bootcamp that we offer, um, who seeks to go from um, you know, job A to job B with that program in the middle, it's a lot of hard work um, to get through that course. The um, course material is demanding, but also people are doing this often, um, you know, part-time on top of their um, normal day jobs, on top of their family responsibilities. Um, so it, it takes a lot of coaching and support to get through these programs. And so that's one of the things that we're able to offer um, that we don't think MOOCs do um, in the same way. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Master's in Public Administration or Environmental Studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash School. When you uh, go back to school for career purposes, sometimes one of the things you're looking for are certifications. You're looking for a degree or something that shows that you have a credential that sets you apart. Are, are you developing certificates from the universities or from you or certification not so much part of the deal? No, it's a critical part of it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's um, even for our what we call um, online short certificate programs, you can see it's literally in the title. And so part of what, um, you know, draws users to the course material we offer is that it does come from universities that are at the top of their fields. And so that could be, you know, as we think about computer science and our portfolio there, that is MIT or Carnegie Mellon and other wonderful programs around the world like National University of Singapore. And, and so in those markets, and this is true globally, um, we know that university certificates have real weight and we see um, individuals putting them um, you know, on their resumes, on their LinkedIn profile, um, and it really is a, a very important part of, um, of what we do. 
I uh, noticed a trend with my uh, coaching clients that uh, there's a real interest in certificates of all kinds, and particularly if you can stack them up and they look like something even bigger and are sort of integrated into a program. So it, it uh, sounds like you're right in touch with what people want these days, and also sounds like you're a little ahead of the curve. The um, pandemic has changed everything, hasn't it, about how people um, can engage remotely. Were you um, trying all of these things well before that happened? We were, but I think, um, so we certainly were trying these things before the pandemic. I also think the business conditions that you know have gotten us to where we are today were also true prior to the pandemic. And by that, I mean the disruption that is happening in specific industries driven by automation that is causing companies to need to do something different. And so that's where we see companies who need skill sets that they don't have today. But what is also driving literally billions of people um, uh, globally to know that they need to reskill themselves. I think what the accelerant that COVID added to this is that in uh, the flip of a switch, people became much more comfortable doing many parts of many, many parts of their lives online, working, communicating, um, and really being productive. And so what we've seen as we knock on wood, hopefully emerge from the pandemic is that there's much more willingness um, to for people to learn online. No one's afraid to log into Zoom, but that we also know that it's not enough and that we need to build on the right types of community layers um, on top of programming that can be um, delivered online in order to really make it work. Um, you know, we see lots of clients, for example, um, you know, where it's safe enough to do so, going back to in-person learning as a complement to what gets done um, online. So I think there are lots of forces um, that exist here. A statistic that I share all the time is, so we have a, um, great many colleagues um, in India, and um, the specific example shares in Mumbai, pre-pandemic, the average commuting time um, for an individual on our team was three hours a day. Oh. Um, and what we've um, now, of course, realized is, while it is very important to have people together at some points, um, it's not essential that that happen every single day. And that that time can actually be better spent doing more productive things, including learning how to do something new. And so, you know, sort of to the title of your of your show, a reason to be jazzed up about work is that I think employees now um, have more control to exert over, um, you know, the, the time that they dedicate to work in a day and that it should be driven by, um, you know, activities that are um, efficient, but also more personally rewarding. Um, you know, then, um, you know, gridlock traffic or sitting on a train for hours on end. Um, employees are now making, I think, better choices, which are more better beneficial to them uh, in the long run. I, I agree with you. I think there's some very good news out there in the midst of all the chaos and struggling that people um, are dealing with today. And that is that workers of all sorts can take more control of our day and our um, our interest in our output. It's a, it can be the beginning of, I, I think, a, a much healthier period, and including li 
you know, building in time for your life and having fun along the way. Uh, one of the things we've been kind of focusing on and, and, and thinking about the changes in education has been the, the need for upskilling for people who maybe were in service industry that isn't there anymore to, to learn coding so they can do something quite different. But my observation as a coach is that the people who really do well are always learning that learning is not just for people who want to change jobs. It's for people who want to go deeper or to kind of maybe gradually go broader. Would you, would you uh, agree with that, that a lot of people who are learning are those 90% of your people who are working and also some of them want to stay where they are? Yeah, that's right. And I also think, look, it, it's, it's not necessarily a new phenomenon, but the world moves fast. And so, you know, even if we look at software engineering or digital marketing, the specific coding languages or tools that we talk about today are very, very different than they were even, you know, three or four years ago. And that pace of change is only going to continue to accelerate. And so I think one of the, um, sort of to your point, um, What's key is that adult, is that adults um, continue to remind themselves how to learn. I mean, for many of us, it's been ages since we sat in, you know, a high school classroom or a college classroom or for some a graduate level classroom, um, and that learning um, isn't hasn't necessarily been part of the day to day. But the whole point, and I think what the advent of online learning, and particularly company-sponsored online learning has done, is lower the barrier to some of those quality educational elements, which, to your point, can help individuals go deeper in their existing field or learn something new um, in a way that really is fun and engaging. I mean, part of what we do and the challenge and the bar that we need to jump over is to make that all of our learning elements um, really sing in a way that works for um, learners of various types. Um, so for example, we have a, um, a, a, a company within Emeritus that is focused specifically on the K to 12 space called ID Tech. The way that a seven-year-old, which is part of their target audience learns is much, much different than call it, you know, a 40 plus year old who is trying to learn um, how to do something brand new for the first time. Could be the same topic area, but the method of instruction needs to be very, very different. But I really do think that um, it's so important for individuals um, to have that passion to, for continuous learning, but that it's incumbent on companies if they actually want to change things um, to provide the time and resources, but also the direction that help people imagine career paths that might be available um, either within one field at one company or across um, several different fields. I have a, a new book out called Find Your Happy at Work, and it's about ways we can manage ourselves, our practices, our uh uh, relationships with people and all kinds of things in order to to find work more interesting and meaningful and successful. And one of the things I talk about a lot is is learning, building learning into your calendar, building learning into your day, not just because uh, you can expand your skill set, but as soon as you're in a learning mode, you see the world a little differently. You're more likely to make connections 
and to, you know, it changes the way you go through the day. Would, would you agree with that, that impact of being in a learning mindset? Oh, absolutely. And I think that there are um, very tactical things that companies can do in order to bring that to the fur, to the, to the fore, excuse me. Um, one of them is, and there's been a lot of academic research written about this, is the idea of psychological safety. Like, do you have um, the permission to fail in a specific organization? And are, is the organization pushing people um, to run various experiments, um, knowing that some of them will indeed fail, but that you have a lot to learn um, from those experiences? Um, that That's sort of a, a, a big cultural thing thing and challenge and change to drive. But there are also more simple ways. I mean, I've got a friend um, who runs a relatively large business, and I know that across their team, at the end of every meeting they have, they take um, three or four minutes and say, okay, well, what did we learn? Or go around the go around the, the Zoom, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. and everyone say something that they actually learned. Um, from this last 45-minute meeting or, or what have you, just to drive that idea that the purpose of us all interacting with each other is that, um, you know, independent of level of seniority, we really all do have something to learn um, from one another. It, it's a way to deal with things that don't go perfectly and at the same time to kind of bond and get to know each other. If you take on a task like learning, it, it can be fun. And uh, it helps people work together better in the future, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And and we see this in the business in that um, in many cases, the courses that we run, which have the highest overall satisfaction rating, we use MBS, um, are driven where we've got individuals participating as a group from a specific company um, in that they have shared experiences to begin with. Perhaps they're working on a um, very distinct business challenge at that company, in that group at that time, and want to learn how to do something together. But it also creates um, you know, other ways for individuals to then bond. Um, you know, perhaps it's a group of people that are um, you know, quite dispersed geographically across the world and wouldn't have had a cause to know each other for any other reason. Um, or it's a team that is able to learn some new framework or way to think about a problem that they can then extend into other parts of their business. But that taking that time to learn as a community or a cohort um, really was the spark that got that going. That's interesting. I, I think it makes so much sense that uh, colleagues who are spread apart can come together by going on a learning adventure together. Uh let me change gears a little bit. So much of uh, upskilling and all, all of the buzz around um, learning new things for uh, job reasons has focused on the technical stuff and all coding, but all kinds of technical things. And yet from my clients who are sometimes struggling to hire good people these days, I hear that they're still looking for things like being able to write well, being comfortable talking to other people, you know, that things that we sometimes call softer skills. Can you deliver those things as well as the more technical disciplines? In a word, yes. Um, But that also what what our um, observation has been is that um, organizations can teach thousands and thousands of people 
a specific programming language, um, just as one example, or a digital marketing technique. Um, but if you don't develop leaders within those organizations who are able to motivate people, set and communicate organizational priorities, um, and really communicate effectively, the organization in the end is not going to be as successful. And so um, that's why in our approach to the market, we have um, a deep set of offerings around quote unquote hard skills, but also a whole part of our business that is about leadership training, communicating effectively, organizing teams um, and other, um, you know, other content in what you might describe as the soft skill bucket. Um, we think both uh, you know, are, are need to exist together. Um, and it's absolutely where we see a lot of demand um, on the part of our corporate clients. So tell us where uh, people can find you and what's a good starting point. If you're, say, an individual listener here, uh, not a company, and you think, I, I want to learn some things, um, tell us how somebody can begin to work with you as an individual learner. Well, the easiest way is emeritus.org, um, E-M-E-R-I-T-U-S dot O-R-G, um, where you can see literally the entire portfolio of courses um, you know, by topic, by discipline, but also by um, you know, our many university partners around the world. Um, so that's a great jumping off point. Um, but the other way, um, perhaps for business leaders who might be in your audience, um, is to reach out directly to our enterprise team um, to talk about how we might be able to construct learning journeys to help you close specific skill gaps in your organization uh, in conjunction with our with our university partners. So that's the easiest way to get started. Um, we also have um, an app which we called Insights, which is Emeritus Insights, um, which goes to this idea of bite-sized learning, that even in you know five or 10 minutes as you might be walking the dog or out to, out to run an errand, um, you can learn something brand new. Um, and so it's all about using technology um, in ways that can lower the barrier to really get on the train, if you will, um, and open your eyes to something um, that may, might be of great interest to you. Something else I've written about is, is mini learning sessions, making it a habit to do five minutes a day of something or putting five minutes on your calendar if you're having trouble getting started as a way to get started. So when I was looking at your site, I saw these bite-size um, topics were so interesting. Can you tell us um, just a bit about those? That feels like an accessible way for somebody to learn something new today. Yes, absolutely. And so that's um, exactly the point, which is that, um, you know, while you may not have time to read um, uh, you know, the, a 500 page brand new business book, there might be some key concepts that you want to pull out of it. Um, you know, before you go to buy the book, for example. And so um, what we do is really try to provide a digest um, of some of the world's best, most forward-looking business thinking um, so that people can build more awareness on a quick topic um, by dive, before diving straight in. And that obviously once they're um, you know, off the dime, 
they can go um, in whichever direction they choose. Um, it's also interesting, I think, that um, it really is global, um, meaning we're adding hundreds of lessons a week. Um, we now have a wonderful partnership with Harvard Business Review, um, meaning much of, much of their content is available um, via the Emeritus Insights app. And we're really finding a lot of people get, um, get great use and more importantly, I think, enjoyment um, out of these bite-sized learning experiences. Well, it's fascinating. I do think um, whether you're starting a career or you're thinking about what you're going to do after your traditional career, uh, building a learning element is so important. I really appreciate uh, your being here today, Charlie. I think you're doing some fascinating work, and uh, thank you for telling us about it. Thanks so much for having me. Today, we've been talking with Charlie Schilling about new ways to build the career skills you need. This podcast is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our audio engineer. I'm your host, Bev Jones, author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that whenever you feel stuck, a good way to get new energy is to learn something new. Thanks for listening today, and please tell your friends about us.